0: Hands up, how many people have 20-20 vision? There's a few. There's a few, not too many. Hands up, how many who have, wear glasses or contact lenses? All right. All right, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to do a bit of an eye test. Some of you might go, I really don't know. So we're going to do an eye test. So what you need to do is each of you put your hand over your left eye and look up on the screen. All right, who can read the first row? Hands up, put your other hand up. Yep. Yep. Who can read the second row? Keep your hands up. Second row? Third row? Now be honest. Fourth row? Start to drop your hands if you can't. Wow, good work. Fifth row? I'm struggling from here. Sixth row? That's true. No, no, no. Keep them on. I want to see how you go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seventh row? The one above the the, um, yellow line there? yeah all right we're testing color blindness too who can read the bottom row row wow turn to the person next to you and say you've got no idea what that says do you you're just guessing do you, know the, do you know that the it's referred to as the eyes are the window to the soul have you heard that saying the eyes are the window to the soul all right i'm going to show you another picture i'm going to show you a picture now who can see that really clearly? Somebody's got their hand up. Yep, i got that now. You know, sometimes in, sometimes in life we, we, we see a blur or we don't see things. We miss things sometimes. We go through life and life's busy and we're doing all sorts of different things all the time and, and we miss things. And it's not until we, we actually get a focus that what maybe we missed or what maybe was blurry because it blended into everything else becomes clear. Let's just clean that up. So sometimes we miss the needs of people. A starving child in Africa, not necessarily in Africa, but even anywhere in the world. There's a need that we miss because we're busy with life and we're not focused necessarily and and so our our eyes are, are blinded or are blurred to the things that happen in our world. Today, my prayer is that, that where the areas where we might be blinded, where we might be blurred, where we might have a veil, pray today that God would show us and reveal and take away the veil that he's had on us. All right, we're going to do a little exercise today. Who, when you arrived, received your, um, your little um, programs for the day? Hands up nice and high. Okay, some of you do. Some of you sort of share it. Okay, this is going to be difficult for those who share it because what I want you to do is I want you to take out... The um, the Notice the AGM certificate um, note there. I'm not going to get you to read it. If you haven't got that, then one of you might want to use that. The other one might want to use the actual form itself. We can do a little exercise. So you've either got this one or you've got got the program itself or you might have the little communication card in there that is great to communicate with. Now, we're going to put a timer on the screen and here's what I want you to do. I've just prepared one earlier. Who, Who loves minties? Who gets the minty wrappers and tears? Have you ever done the thing where you tear it to see how long you can get it without it breaking? We're going to do that right now. And the people are going, are we still in church now? We are. Bear with me. I'm going somewhere with this. I did this earlier, and that's as long as my one went. So don't, when I say go, there's a minute counter on the clock. When I say go, I want you to tear and make as long a strip as you possibly can without it breaking. Ready? Timer on the clock. Ready, set, Go. You've got a minute. There might be a prize at the end. Some of you have given up already. 50 seconds. Who thought would you be doing this in church this morning? 40 seconds. 30 seconds. Some of you are doing really well. 23, 22. Who's feeling pressure now? Who's getting stressed? Keep going. Not long to go. Some of you are taking pictures of your little things. Very impressed. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Stop! Alright, hold them up nice and high. Whoa. Nice work, Cal. That's good. That's good. All right. Put, turn to the person next to you. Give them a high five if you're happy with it. Laugh at it if you think it's a bit silly. <laughs> All right. Now, Kent, Kent and our venue team have asked one specific thing. Please don't leave those on the ground when you leave. Ken's giving us a round of applause. Was that Ken or one of the guys? Here's something that's really profound. What you just did, the action you did, means nothing about where we're going. You surprised by that? But that one minute, that one minute, that is profound. Let me tell you what's happened. In that one minute that we spent doing that little exercise, let me tell you what happens, what's happened in the world. Every minute... 18 children in the world die of poverty or poverty-related issues. Every minute, every moment that we we were tearing that, in every minute, 18 children die of poverty-related issues. By the time I finish this message this morning, 540 children will have died out of poverty. In the roughly hour and a half that goes during this service, 1,620 children will have died because of poverty. How's your eyesight going? How's our eyesight going now? Are we starting to see our world a little differently? Here's a few more stats. They'll be up on your screen. Every 15 seconds, a child becomes an orphan to AIDS or something in Africa. That's 5,760 children every day are orphaned. That's 2,102,400 a year. That are orphaned every day here's another stat 95% of all humanity live on less than ten dollars a day 95% of humanity i would therefore say that everyone in this room may i be presumptuous to say are in the top five percent or the richest five percent of the wealthiest people in the world how's your eyesight going We've got a responsibility. We have a responsibility. I hope our eyesight's getting clearer. There are 2.2 billion children in the world. One billion of those children live in poverty. That's one in two children in the world live in poverty. 640 million live without shelter. That's one in three. One in three children in the world live without proper shelter. And 400 million have no access to safe, clean drinking water. That's one in five. How's your eyesight? I know as I was researching and speaking with Kaz a few weeks ago and she was helping me with some of the statistics with these, I know my eyesight started to get razor sharp where maybe it had been blurred. St. Francis of Assisi said, Jesus comes to us through the poor and the oppressed. Jesus comes to us through the poor and the oppressed. Why why would St. Francis of Assisi say that? Let me just leave that sit there. One reason, I believe, is because of one of the most confronting texts in the Scriptures. Matthew chapter 25. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to open up. We're going we're to continue to check our eyesight. Continue to try and work on, on cleaning up our eyesight. Let me give you the context of Matthew chapter 25. Jesus has been explaining through parables and through stories what the kingdom of heaven looks like. He's been talking and teaching the the disciples and others about the kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of heaven look like? And he's shared about the bridesmaids. He shared about serving. He's talked a little bit about the kingdom of heaven. And he's challenging people that we need to use our resources. Part of the kingdom of heaven is people using the resources. Kingdom of heaven on earth is using our resources. And in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31... I'm going to read from the message translation this morning, a paraphrase. This is what Jesus is saying. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty, and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on the glorious throne. Then all of the nations will be arranged around him, and he will sort out people, much as a shepherd sorts out the sheep from the goats. He's talking about about the end of the days, at the end of the days. When the Son of Man, when Jesus returns, he's going to come and he's going to, he's going to look and he's going to start to sort. And Jesus says this He says, Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort out people much as a shepherd sorts out sheep from goats, putting the sheep to the right and the goats to the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my Father. That's what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. why, Why are the sheep entering in? Here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you, Jesus, hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? And then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it for me, Jesus said. Then he'll turn to the goats, the ones on the left, and say, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? That's pretty harsh. Why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes. I was sick and in prison and you never visited me. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? And he will say to them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it for me. I don't know about you, that's one of the most confronting passages of scripture that I've ever read. So passionate is God, so passionate is Jesus about this. We're going to come back to the concept of the sheep and the goats a little bit later on. But if you study the Bible for any length of time, you're going to see an interesting thing. God doesn't treat everybody equally. Whoa, hang on. God loves everybody. He does. He loves everybody. But if you study the Bible, you'll realize he doesn't treat everybody equally. Where are you going, Murray? Think about what we just read. God takes the side of the poor throughout the Bible. Any theologian will tell you God has a definite bias towards the poor and the needy. And we're going to learn 2,000 times in the Scriptures He refers to the poor and the needy and He doesn't just say they're out there. He says, do something about it. He says, check your vision. How's your eyesight going? Another confronting Scripture is in Proverbs 14 verse 31. You insult your maker... When you exploit the powerless, when you're kind to the poor, you honour God. Proverbs twenty one thirteen. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. As I said, there are two thousand verses of scripture that call to us to make a response to the poor and the needy. You see, this is the core action for a Christian life. What we're talking about now is a core action for the Christian life that we have eyes to see and we do something about it. Let's look at another one, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. The New Living Translation says, how can God's love be in you if you turn a cold shoulder to a person, to a situation of need. Wow. Jesus doesn't muck around here, does he? God's not mucking around. God's making a point. Those of you who thought, gee, this is going to be a fun, fun message, we're, we're tearing things up and having a laugh. Well, God's this is a serious moment for us where he wants us to get our eyesights right. He wants us, Hume Ridge, to have 20-20 vision about this issue. He wants you and I individually to do the same. So the question is... If we look at those scriptures, if we have no compassion for the poor and the less fortunate, is the love of God really in us? If we have no compassion for the poor and the needy, God's asking us, is the love of God truly in you? Because if the love of God is in us, as followers of Jesus, he's saying it will naturally flow, that you will see and you will do. Man, I felt like I got a God slap this week as I was preparing this. Is the love of God really in us? Are we really following Jesus? And if we are Christians, at the very least, we've hardened our hearts towards God in this area. Because again, 2,000 times in the Bible, we, speak, we read about how a follower of Jesus must react to the needs in our community, locally and globally. You'll now understand as we unpack this Above and Beyond series and we talk about one of the areas, one of the five areas that we feel really important that we're going to take an Above and Beyond offering is towards mission. Not because, well, that's a lovely idea. Not because we see pictures of, of that child and our hearts got eyes and that back. It's because God says to. God says, make it a priority. Have clear eyes to this. A follower of Jesus has compassion. A church that has Jesus at the centre, is a church that's known for its compassion. In fact, based on what the Bible tells us, one of the key ways that others, people who aren't followers of Jesus, should be able to tell that we're Christians, is the way we look after the less fortunate, is how we respond to those in need. Now, some of us in this room are going, this is really good, Murray, because I need people's help. And that's, that's fantastic, but I want us to focus on outward because no matter where we're at we have needs and i'm not belittling the needs that we have but this morning and sometimes in messages we can go to us wanting to be the recipient and there's nothing wrong with that but i would like to invite us this morning to not think about ourselves as the recipient but ourselves as the giver can we do that let me ask you i wonder how mother Teresa felt when she got up every morning because some of us go, this just sounds like hard work, Murray. I, I know I'm called to do that, but it's just hard. It's draining. It's it's really difficult. I wonder how Mother Teresa felt every morning when she got up. Do you think she kind of dragged herself out of bed and said, "Well, here I go again. Another lazy day on the streets of Calcutta. I've got to meet the needs of all these poor people again. Man, I hate Mondays." I wish I could just sleep in one day. I don't think that's how Mother Teresa responded. In fact, if you read biographies and you read about Mother Teresa, the understanding is that she was a woman of great excitement and enthusiasm, that she used to jump out of the bed in the morning. And those who knew her talked about the joy that radiated from within her. Why was she so joyful? Why was she so joyful? I think it's because she realized that when she was ministering to the least of these She was ministering to Jesus. That when she saw the poor and the needy, she saw Jesus. And she responded the way that Jesus would have her respond. When I talk with Kaz, who runs an organisation called... My wife, if you're new here, my wife's name is Kaz, and she runs an organisation called Go Beyond All Borders and she's been running that organisation for 14 years... And they take people on, on awareness trips, mission trips to Kenya and, and, and to Thailand and, and provide water filtration units into the slums. Just a couple of days ago, her team went into Kibera, which is the second largest slum in, um, in the world. It's in Africa. And they drink dirty water and this cholera is, is ripened and they're they've taking water filtration units in there to try and clean the water up. And when I talk to her about the work that she does with the orphans and, and, and the needy people that are over in, in Hiruma Children's Home where they go regularly... And again, I'm not even comparing her to Mother Teresa, so please that that there's no comparison there. But when I think about the conversations I've had with her and the times and the photographs I've seen when she has children in her arms with mucus running down out of her nose all over their faces and and she talks about the strong stench of faeces that are on these children sometimes that come off their body and the lack of personal hygiene and not to mention the head lice. And she's next hairdresser, she's just aware of that stuff. And she's in that situation, but she says, you know what, Murray, I don't notice all of that. I don't allow that to get in the way of me seeing Jesus in these children. And she said, that's not me. That's just something God has placed in my heart. And the more I've reached out, the more that my heart has grown. The more clearer I see. My eyesight gets clearer about this, the more I step in. Now, I'm not saying we're all called to do that. I'm not saying we're all called to go to Kenya or we're all called to go to India. My point is, as we respond to God in the moments that we're in, He can do incredible things. It's funny, Kaz does this when she's overseas, pulling people closer, loving them even more. It's definitely a Jesus thing, but it's funny. She comes home and I feel a bit crook. You know, I get men, I get the man flu starts coming on. I get nothing. I get none of that. She, she certainly doesn't see Jesus in me in that moment. <laughs> Suck it up, princess, is usually what I get. Kaz comes more alive and her teams come more alive as they seek to look after the poor and the needy, to seek to step into the areas of the poor and the needy. So what can we do? What can we do? There's some examples. What, God, what are you saying in this Above and Beyond series, what are you saying that we could do? I want to just give you three things that we can take away this morning that might help us to, to improve our eyesight in this area. And the first one is just that, is to open our eyes. I've read some statistics that show that people are in need everywhere, not just in Africa, not just in the world, but people in the streets of Toowoomba. We have people around us that are in need, emotional need, physical need, relational need. God, give us eyes to see. God, open our eyes to what we might do. In our streets, in our city, in our state, in our country, all over the world, what we can start to do is see the unemployed. I see you. Is to see the struggling single parent. That's the start, to see them first, to have eyes to see, to see the lonely elderly person, to see the shattered teenager, to see the orphan or the disconnected child, to see the grieving parent, to see the child in school that has never heard about Jesus. Spiritually poor. God wants us to look above to him and beyond our own desires and our own situations to make a difference in the world. God wants us to open our eyes to the needs of the world. God wants us to open our eyes to see. Firstly, he wants us to open our eyes. Secondly, if you're taking notes, he wants wants us to open our hearts. So it's not just seeing, but once we start to get clarity and vision, he wants us to open our hearts. Maybe our prayer could be to ask God to give us Jesus' heart for the poor and the needy, for the less fortunate, for the struggling. You see, he's our perfect example. And it shouldn't be a one-off thing. Great, I've seen that, I've, I've done that. There, I've done, ticked that box. I, look, I did something for the poor and needy. But become part of the way we live our lives. Imagine again, and I keep saying this: imagine us being known as a church for the way that we respond with the heart of Jesus. And we are a generous church. Neil last week did an amazing job talking about what we do within the refugee area, and, and I thought that the last Sunday service was such an honouring service. Beautiful. But you know sometimes what you and I can do? We can stand on that. My church does great things in that area. Maybe this morning we we'll might go, and what about me? What about me? What, about, what does Murray do to have a heart, eyes that are open, have a heart that's open to follow him? What does it mean for me maybe to move from being a goat to being sheep? a sheep? Jesus never says to the poor, come find the church, But he says to us in the church, go into the world and find the poor and the hungry and the homeless and the imprisoned. He doesn't say, come and find us. He says, have eyes to see, have hearts to see. Open our hearts. Jesus wants our hearts to be open for the less fortunate, to consistently be open, to consistently being available, to consistently being generous. The prophet Isaiah writing about this the reason for prayer and fasting. They were asking about this prayer and fasting thing. This is what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, This is the kind of fast day that I'm after. To break the chains of injustice. To get rid of exploitation in the workplace. To free the oppressed. To cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor Uh, into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The glory of God will secure your passage. And then when you pray, God will answer and you'll call out for help and he'll say, here I am. You did it for the least of these. You've done it for me. You had eyes to see and hearts to respond. And I see you. And I see your heart. And your heart reflects my heart, Jesus would say. And that's what he's calling us to be people whose hearts reflect his heart. Humeridge, we've had, this is the heart of this church. We've had in the past, when we first arrived, Kaz and I first arrived, over 30 different areas of mission that we used to support. Which is incredible. 30 different areas that we as a church were trying to support. So the heart was fantastic. And the eyes for the world were fantastic. And I'm talking about local and global. Everything from CAP, Christians Against Poverty, through to the Gandep Project, through to the Philippines, ICCM. All sorts of different things. And what we've done as a a ministry team, as an eldership under CASA's leadership is she said, okay, let's have a look at being really defined now and let's encourage people where God's calling their hearts, but let's define it down to 10 for this next 12 months. And for the next 12 months, we're going to be intentional with eyes to see and hearts that are open to minister into, as a church community, into 10 areas of local and global. And we'll talk about those over the next few weeks. Now, that doesn't mean the other ones aren't important. It doesn't mean individually people can't continue to support. But we've said for the next 12 months, let's, let's make these a focus. And we'll talk a little bit about those. But what we're doing is we're saying we have hearts to make a difference. How can we do that? And one of those areas, one of those areas that um, that we're making a difference in and we're seeking to continue is one that is, is a significant ministry in the life of this church, and it's called Gandet. And I want to invite Jim West to come up, and we're going to have a bit of a chat about what the Gandet project is. Can we just encourage Jim as he comes up? I want to make sure that that's on so that the sound guys don't get freaked out by it. Look at that, it is. Take Thank a you, seat, Jim. <laughs> thanks. So, Jim, thanks, firstly, for, for coming up and, and being prepared to chat a little bit about, about sort of... I guess this morning what you're doing in some ways is representing all of the 10, but we want to talk specifically about, about GANDEP this morning. So, what, tell us, for those of us who maybe have walked through the doors for the first time, what is the GANDEP project?
1: Okay. Thank you very much, um... The Gendab project is is a remote, very remote area in PNG. It's actually a Church of Christ Bible college, which was started over 50 years ago by uh, uh, Frank and Ros Beale, who felt God called them there. Mm -hmm. It's so remote, it takes you about four days to get in. There's no health, there's nothing there. So... There is a Bible college there and they're they're attempting and they have 90 churches in that area, but they have no health, Mm. no, very little education and just access is just damn hard. Wow. And so how long have we as a church been connected with the Gander Project? How long has it been going on? Uh, Ten years ago, we had uh, uh, our GMP, Global Mission Partners, the arm of mission for for uh, the Churches of Christ Australia came and asked us would we go with them on a journey to see what's happening there and uh, through a process then of um, uh, leading, the GMP were leading the local community to see uh, what their aim was to be in the next 10 or 15 years and they want to grow. They've got these 90 churches that they're trying to support. What we did is they came back and then said, Access is our big problem, right. access. How do, how do we get resources in there? How do we get uh, health and education? And how does a college actually grow mm-hmm. to meet the needs of about 25,000 people in a remote area? Great.
0: And so then, so the goal then of, the, I mean, I know we're doing a few different things, but what's the major goal for the
1: Gandep project following on from what you just said? So, uh, the major goal is uh, that they've come back and asked, would we open up some uh, form of access into this place uh, where then basic health needs... Some of these figures you are talking about before, Murray, uh, about health and people dying. Mm. Uh, We're talking about the worst area in the world. One out of every second child died before they're five years of age. Malaria is ripe. They have... The only way to get in is either to walk or fly in by chopper. Mm. Very expensive. So this is what they came back and said, would we be able to help them with access that might help, first of all, their health, but also their passion is to share the gospel with 25,000 people in this remote area. Fantastic. Awesome. And so, you know, we were chatting through the week and, and um you,
0: you know I, I love chatting with both you and kate because the stories come up about how god's been moving and how god's been providing and often that's a real encouragement because you can be you know 10 years and, and and plus some involved in ministry and when i say you I'm, i mean you as a representative for the, the whole because i know that you'd be very quick to talk about all of the team that are involved with Gandep and the project tell us about some of the god moments tell us about some of the the ways that god's shown up in miraculous ways
1: I don't think I'd still uh, be in the project if God didn't turn up. Yeah. And um, because sometimes uh, it's just damn hard going. But uh, uh, just to talk about a few, and there's just so many, but um, the access is so hard that uh, we we we've had trouble working at how we're going to handle the river section. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's three major sections. And so
0: to get in to get in from from sort of a a, a structured community to get into Gander. It's not only no roads and we've got to create roads, but we've got to cross rivers as well.
1: So we've got a 250 kilometre stretch of road that is kind of there that we'll, we'll, we'll take uh, our main supplies in yep. from. And then we have a 99 kilometre river trip and that's where we then start work. Right. So uh, the river has always been a, a problem because it's it, it's 80 foot deep in in the wet season and only Uh, half a meter deep in the dry season Uh, how does god turn up Um, in in january this year we had the opportunity to after we looked at a design for a barge that might handle that we had a company speak to us and and in faith we had no funds but we we believe if this project is going to get off the ground we've got to be able to travel that river take fuel and supplies to keep not only look after ourselves but to do the work that has Mm. to be done and so with faith, we just uh, stepped out and signed a contract to build a barge, a, a specifically built barge. No funds. And God just showed up. Wow. Um, I was down there on Friday. Uh, the barge is, uh, is 90% complete. Um, this is significant funds for us to try and build. And yeah. God just keeps showing up. Wow. And the design of it is just a state-of-the-art and will we'll float and take 20 tonne of gear in at a time. Wow. So 20 tonne on the barge along this river. Yep, up there. And so that's, that's a miracle. I mean, we're, not, we're talking about significant funds here. We're talking um, a barge worth $1.4 million. Wow. So uh, we started this without, without the funds, but you
0: knew you needed this to make it happen. So yeah. in faith, you and the team stepped out yep. and God's provided
1: how much? Well, so far? The, the barge is worth 1.4. The, the company doing it has taken $300,000 worth of labour off it. Wow. But it's all but paid for. We've got $100,000 to go. I know that sounds a lot of money, but, I mean, car. at the end of the day, and uh, we just yeah. we, people from all over Australia and our church have just said, come on, let's see what we can do. Beautiful. A miracle. Yeah. A miracle. Yeah. yeah. Um, other way God's turned up is um, uh, some of you have been down to see the, the mission shed that the church runs and uh, if you haven't you're very welcome to come we have people coming going all the time is that uh, you know we've got 116 people volunteers just pour their heart and soul into with the gifts they have not just working in the shed but with design and, and this, is, this is working over a, a huge range of of gifts, mm. people's skills. Yeah. And um, we just uh, thank God for that. 116 odd people. When I say odd, they're all odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But they say they, say they take out of to the leader, Anyone wants to get involved Jim, so in a
1: project <laughs> like this, you've got to be odd. Yeah. But they just give it their time and their gifts. And that's marvellous. Yeah. The other way God turns up is that we've got um, two men giving up their job. Live out now on faith. Yeah from our church, yeah. who work on the project five and sometimes six days a week. So just pause on that. Just want to make sure we understand
0: what's happening. So God has prompted two, two gentlemen from this church, Andrew and Laurie, to leave their full-time jobs, to volunteer full-time on this project. And they feel God, God has led them to do that. And God has been providing in different ways because of the generosity of people for them to be able to do that. Yes. Significant.
1: And uh, right now we've got a young fella in our church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they need all the encouragement you can give them because some days I think they must wake up and think, yeah, what the mm. heck am I doing here?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, one of the things I love about, about the ministry is, is the, the amount of prayer that goes behind it, You mm. know, that, that you're, you're re- regularly meeting together and drawing people together to be praying for Gandip, praying for the church and gandep specifically. Um, we could sit and talk for, for ages, but what, what are some, some of the things right now that we as a church can be praying
1: for specifically around the Gandet project, Tim? Um, we, a significant thing that is, uh, we're calling all our teams to pray for is that we're looking to, to launch the project from Australia and get in the ground next year in PNG. Mm. One of the miracles that's up there is we've, uh, New Tribes Mission has now partnered with us. They're going to give us two acres of their ground 18 kilometers out of town it's a cure ground we're going to build a shed there Uh, we're really praying if god to just open up the way that we start to get on the ground there Mm. within the next 12 months now that's that's significant uh, funds to ship we're still trying to work out just how we ship uh it's the most difficult country in the world to ship to we can ship from here to africa cheaper than we can ship from here to png wow uh, government controls look there's just there's yeah. just so much we've got people working on this now and we want to part uh, the ship next year that we've actually got a base to actually land the rest of our stuff in mm. in new guinea Great. next year that's that's just something we really would value the church partnering with us in um we, we've got other people joining the project looking with their skills uh, look just a, even outside of our church this project mm. kind of spans a, different churches and different denominations. Yeah. And, uh, and we're just so grateful that people have a heart mm. to actually see the gospel, and that's what it's about, is spreading the good news of Jesus. That's it. And establishing some reasonable health and um, facilities in a very, very remote area. I used to see hearts that are open, you
0: know, what happens when, when we respond to God is God couldn't do miracles through us. So I guarantee that if you spoke to Jim and John and others and Phil and others who are part of the team and have been part of the team for a long time and at the start of it said it would be where it is today, you'd be going, that's just crazy. But when we have faithful hearts, we have eyes to see and hearts that are open, God can do incredible things in us and through us. And uh, I want to... Some of you to hear more of the story. Some of you know a lot about the story of Gandep. Some of you don't know a whole lot of the story. I'd encourage you. We've got some stands outside in the foyer after the service to, to see Jim and the team and talk to them and ask them more about uh, Gandep and what's going on. But we just appreciate you. We appreciate your leadership, Jim. We appreciate the team, Gandep, and, and that the significant ministry it's having um, beyond ourselves, going above and beyond. So can we just thank Jim? It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you. eyes to see open praying that god would open our hearts and thirdly and finally that god would open our hands open our eyes open our hearts and open our hands so what's in our hands what what, what are the resources that we have if we think about what jesus was sharing and talking to us about he was saying that we're, we're part of the richest we're we're in in the richest part of the world right now. We are the richest people in the world. So we have riches in terms of our prayer life, in terms of what we can give physically, with our gifts and abilities, what we can give financially. Remember what Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you're doing for me. So how are you going at opening your hands, using your time, or your talents and gifts, or your treasure, your finances, to not not just... Go out into the world, into into P&G. But even that, but maybe even buying a coffee for someone who's lonely. Pointing someone who's financially struggling to cap Christians without poverty. Buying a single parent groceries out of the blue. Visiting the elderly. Creating opportunities for spiritually poor by creating Bible schools. Creating churches. Giving financially. God wants us to open it. God wants us to get our hands dirty. Church. And that's why one of the five areas that we're called to go above and beyond is our vision offering. In our vision offering is this whole idea of mission. God wants us to continue to look above to Him and look beyond our situations. To look after the poor and the needy. So we want to seek to be generous so we can have the eyes and the heart and the hands of jesus james says this in the book of james chapter 2 and verse 15 he says dear friends do you think you will get anywhere if this in this if you learn all of the right words but you never do anything does merely talking about faith indicate that a person has it for instance You come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, good morning friend, be clothed in Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit and then walk off without providing as much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? It's not only seeing, it's not only having the right heart, it's sharing with our hands. So what's it going to be? Are we going to be sheep? Remember that first passage? Or are we going to be goats? The sheep are those who did for the least of these. The goats are those who weren't prepared to look above and beyond, but looked at their own situation, their own circumstance. And the scripture says very clearly in Matthew where we started that God looks at the eyes and the hearts and the hands of us and says, I'm going to be able to say whether you're a sheep or whether you're a goat by what you did with your life. Hume Ridge, are you a place filled with sheep? And I believe we are. This is an encouragement. I believe we are. He wants to encourage us in that. But maybe individually, there are moments where we move to being the goats who look inward. And he says, Will you you start to see things through the eyes of Jesus? Jesus says, Here's how the kingdom of God operates as sheep. Here's how the kingdom of the earth operates as goats. Looking inward. What about me? What about my interests? What about me first? Let me ask, here's where it comes home, as the worship team come out. Let me ask, based on your last month's activities, personally, would you stand here? Would God say, one of my sheep? Or just on the last month's activities, would he, Now I know this is tough, because I had to do this for me, anything I say, I have to run through the, the filter of, wow, where do I stand? Or would I stand here? I think God wants to hold that mirror up because he wants us to have good eyesight about this. He wants to clean up our eyesight, get rid of the blurriness, because it's easy to stand in the blurriness. And He says, "Would you, in the last month, would we stand here and say, yep, you've been a sheep looking at serving the poor and the needy, the less fortunate. Or well, maybe, maybe you've, you've, your eyesight's been blurred. We've been so focused on the stuff that's going on for me and in my world that we've missed it. Matthew 10, verse 42, Jesus says, Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving and receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. He's not saying, go and change the world. Sheep, go and change the world. He's saying, would you provide a cup of water for those who are thirsty? Would you put an arm around those who are lonely? He doesn't say, solve the world's water problems. Just give them give one person a glass of water. He doesn't set the bar high. He just says, see someone, see someone, have a heart for that person and have hands to follow them. So that's what this above and beyond series is about. Looking above to God and beyond where we're at. And as Shelby said, when we when we leave today we've got some packs ready for you. And inside those packs I've got a letter. And, um, and just a, a little brochure that talks about the five areas that we're saying we're committed to going above and beyond for. And in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to ask you, where hopefully you're already praying about, God, what would you do for me individually, for us as a family, to give to go above and beyond? That we might be a church that says, we're going to go above and beyond. We're a one-off vision offering. We're also asking those who call Humoridge Home to, to let us know what your regular tithe commitment's going to be, and that's just going to be helpful for continued budgeting. But can I ask you to collect those and be prayerful and seeking God. God, what would you have me? What would you have me as an individual or or us as a family or even within my business, if you run a business? What would you have that I might be above and beyond to be able to go into these areas and make a difference? Reach outside the walls of this church. Each of those five areas have an impact beyond ourselves. That's why we're calling this series Above and Beyond. God, the good shepherd, loves his sheep. And he wants us to have eyes that see, hearts that feel, and hands that serve. Let's stand to our feet. Loving God, in the name of Jesus, we pray that we would see situations and circumstances through your eyes. Give us 2020 vision. Give us eyesight that sees the situations and circumstances of this world. But more than that, give us a heart. Change our heart. Give us your heart for those less fortunate in our city, in our neighbourhood, in our country and in the world. And we know, Lord, that we're not going to be able to do big things individually. But as each of us respond to you with childlike faith, when each of us respond to you by with seeking to have hearts that go above and beyond we're believing for miracles for stories of transformation that people might say that's a church that follows Jesus because of what they do for the poor and the needy and we pray these things in Jesus' name